Hello, welcome to 25 Cents, a video game podcast. I am Chris. And I'm Nick. Each episode, we'll be talking about the games we've tried, other games we keep going back to, and what we think might be great games to check out if you've got kids. And you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on the web at goodstuff.network. Dingle, dingle, dingle. <laughs> hey, Nick, welcome big, back big. to 25 Cents. Hey, Chris. It's a, it's, a, it's a big week, a huge week, as they say, in yeah. the uh, tech podcast world. Quick, before we go there, quick question. When's the last time you handled a 25-cent coin? Just in the... Um, ooh, that <laughs> is a very a good question. I mean, I, I don't even really carry cash normally, but... Well, I used I used some plastic ones as part of math homework uh, not that <laughs> long you ago, you know, because they're they're doing a accounting uh, a unit, so yeah. there were quarters and dimes and nickels. Yeah, <laughs> that counts. Yeah, I, I was just th- thinking like we've gone for Slurpees this summer, spring, whatever, and I, but even then, I think I've paid cash, even though or paid uh, with debit. Um, so, yeah, we're we're steadily yeah. approaching the uh, cashless society that the Bible has prophesied. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. Is that is that in there? I, I forget. It's um, in Left Behind the movie, so it's oh that's, okay. That's well, yeah, that's not not my uh, not anyway. my brand, as it were. Um, yeah. The the uh, there was a lemon kid operated lemonade stand when we were at the playground the other day, but I had no. You know, they don't take Apple Pay. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> well, we had I was traveling some, light. Something like that too, where even in COVID times, you're like, I don't know that I. I mean, I think we can, but also like restaurants have to be a little cautious. So I don't know how the lemonade stands are doing these days. I think that one flies under the radar yeah. <laughs> uh, being operated by, you know, 10 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> have you been vaccinated yet? So I, don't, I know legally yeah. you can't be. But... It, they were wearing gloves. So bonus I'm points good. there. Yeah. I, I noticed. <laughs> so uh, before we get to the big uh, Apple corner, which will be much larger this time, this episode, but in brief, there's a, a fun little thing that came out that we're aware of, and maybe not everybody else is aware of, a little handheld console that's being developed by a software company called Panic Software, best known for making FTP software for the Mac, among other things. Um, but And also publishing games too, like Firewatch. Um, but they're making a little console, I guess, is that we, a handheld console called Playdate. So what's your, they just announced the launch date, is, or the pre-order date is in a month here, pricing at 179. What's your impressions based on what you've seen? Yeah, so I, I think I first became aware of this through the sort of XOXO world. Um, and it, you know, we we lived outside of Portland briefly. So I even went to one of the XOXO podcast meetups, even though I'd never been uh, connected to the conference. And Panic is, I believe, based in Portland. Yeah. Um, so you know, kind of had that awareness from Twitter follows and whatnot. It looks pretty cool. It, it, it kind of reminds me of, I think, like the Game Boy SP size uh, and, and feel. Uh, one of the interesting things is it's got a little crank on the side as an additional control input. Um, they're, so they're kind of playing around there with like a motion control thing. And, and it's, I don't know yet how that's going to be used in different games. You could imagine, you know, fishing games being particularly well suited, like the old arcade fishing games that would be at like a bar or something. Um, I think the, the, the price point came out as 179 us, which, uh, you know, is, seems pretty reasonable for a, for a mobile game, uh, device. I think the their biggest challenge is they're talking about I think twenty five games at launch, and more coming later. And it's I wasn't clear if it's kind of like a subscription model where like the games come and go, or there's or you you actually buy additional games. It, 
but it's like a seasonal model there where yeah. they're actually going to drip them out over the course of 12 weeks, I think too. So you don't get them all at once. Um, so I, I like, I mean, they're being very upfront about that. It's not like they're hiding that fact. So you're buying it, knowing what you're getting into, but it is a different model that most people aren't used to. And so we'll see what kind of, I mean, the, the nerds we know or follow or whatever are very excited, obviously. And, yes. and just because panic is doing it and they'll support them and they'll pre-order, et cetera. And I, I saw it right up in Verge or, or I forget which one what in the tech crunch maybe or whatever like so it's getting definitely mainstream press as well in terms of tech stuff uh, but like whether my friend who doesn't really pay attention to much online he'll never hear about it obviously um so but that being said i think it's a really neat sort of throwback device to like even the kind of games i remember playing as like little handheld console games that were yeah. one-off like trying to get the guy across the the swinging um right like the, the tiger electronics uh you, yeah. you have like the branded you know ninja turtle game and all you could do was dodge three rows of blasts yeah. from shredder or <laughs> exactly. something yeah and so i'm, I'm kind of like intrigued it, it'll be about 210 canadian i don't know if they'll do a official canadian price or it'll just be like order from the states and, and how they're handling, mm-hmm. handling international orders but um i'm intrigued enough to like to want to, but it is at that price point where it's like, if it was 125 US or something, something about that would be like under 150 would be like a no brainer almost in, in that sense. But mm-hmm. it, it does add to like all the devices you, you have in your house. Um, I like that it's like an old, a throwback console. It's black and white basically, but really like good quality <laughs> resolution. And then, yeah, the crank part worries me in terms of like, my kids can crank on things pretty hard. I hope they've <laughs> play tested it. <laughs> Because <laughs> if that breaks and there's like a game that there's one game I saw where it's used as like almost like a time machine where you can dial back your character, mm-hmm. the time. And so obviously if that breaks, you cannot play some of the games at all, I would assume. So, right. um, but anyway. Yeah, it's it's an interesting price point because it, you know, it is more of a, a single serving kind of device. You know, it's not the the other current. I mean, really, it's it's really just the switch is the other mobile console right now. Um, and of course it's, it's also a full console and has all the accessories and, and, you know, Nintendo first party games. So it's a very different beast from that. And then also very different from, you know, just like playing games on the phone you already have, which is, is the topic we often talk about with different mobile games. Um, but I, I think it's pretty exciting. I, I'm, I'll definitely look at it seriously when the pre-order date comes around, um, the, but at the same time, you know, my, my game time is, is relatively limited and, and I have a lot, I, I, I want to play on, <laughs> on what we already, what we already have, um, kind of starting to get into, to, to Apple quarter. There was an interesting article about, you know, how mobile, uh, is the dominant game platform. Like it's, it's, it's not what gets talked about as much in sort of game, traditional game reporting circles because they're very focused on E3 and the big AAA game releases. Um, but in terms of you know time spent and number of users and all of those metrics that actually matter, it's it's most people and 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 the and the broader population of people who play games are playing on their phone. Yeah. They're not worried about Battlefront 2042's new release no. or whatever. They're yeah. just like, I would, I want to play like cut the rope or, or, uh, yeah, we've been watching, uh, mayor of East town that show and the, mm. the mother or grandmother or whatever in the show is like constantly playing cut the rope <laughs> like to an annoying, nice. distracting level or whatever. So it's kind of funny to see it, but that's totally the, the majority of gamers actually are that right. Like that's. Yeah. That's but, it. but of course the image is, is, you know, the, the, you know, uh, Twitch gamer chair and yeah. the the custom you know lit up keyboard and playing you know 
waiting in line for 48 hours outside of a Best Buy for a graphics card. Um, yeah. 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 It's fascinating. And, and the, the diversity of, of how you build for that and uh, the commerce of it all, I guess, is just kind of fascinating. Yeah. And, and like the, like you said here too, the Epic case that's with Apple that's affecting their, somehow it must be affecting their bottom line because Fortnite is not playable on a mobile device anymore on, sorry, Apple mobile device anyways, where it was completely playable and now you just can't. And right. so they're losing that, whatever amount of market is to that. I, I, I'd be curious, you know, what, what, what chunk of their revenue was coming through um, on, on Apple platforms versus, eh, we can, we can start this fight because it's not actually going to hurt us because, you know, like PC is our primary or, or whatever. I don't think yeah. I've heard that come out in the case, but no, yeah, no. There, there's a lot of, uh, obviously a lot of great mobile games. Have you been playing anything recently uh, on Apple Arcade or, or otherwise? Yeah, the well, I have been dealing with a tooth issue, and so up at, up at night, um, and so the t- actually Tiny Crossword was one I played for an hour one night when I was trying to fall asleep, and it's kind of nice Tiny Crossword Plus, I guess technically, um, and then Mini Motorways is one I keep going back to just because it's it's a chill game that's easy enough to play uh, without you know you can take your focus off for a little while, and it's very. Uh, unstressful, I guess, for the first 80% of the game that you're playing. And then all of a sudden it ramps up towards the end until you like get mm-hmm. overloaded and you kind of start over again. But um, interesting thing with those two games that, um, and they also make mini Metro plus, like we talked about before the mini motorways is not available for Mac OS, but it's available for Apple TV, iOS, iPad, iPhone, iPad, mini Metro plus is available for everything except for Apple TV. And so in as much as Apple originally was like, it's going to be available, everything's going to be available on yeah. all platforms. They're obviously allowing for some diversity because it's just like, this is too much of a pain to require. <laughs> right. And, and especially the, the plus series of games, which are, you know, re Retro. rebuilds of, of existing games. I imagine there's a, a pretty significant, you know, platform migration cost that Apple had to pay there yeah. The, yeah, to pay exactly. the developers to convince them to do it. Yeah. So how about um, you? Yeah, I've, so I've I've similarly run into some issues. You know, now that Apple TV is in the house, you're getting getting games going, and uh, you know, up until now, Apple Arcade for me has been a one device situation. It's worked great. You know, there's all these games available. We've talked about a bunch of them on the show, but now that I'm finding out the sharp edges of that, what I what I thought was the initial promise of, you know, one game, four platforms, same state everywhere for your user just doesn't work. It it doesn't, it doesn't come through. And, and there's different ways that that manifests. So, um, you know, sometimes it's more conscious, right? It's like we, we briefly tried, we ju- just briefly installed Wonderbox on the Apple TV because thinking, you know, there, the controller console experience would be really cool, but there's no create mode. You know, they just decided oh. this is too hard to implement. Um, and, and that kind of goes to that thing we've talked about a couple of times for arcade games is like, oh, this really feels like a touch only game. This really feels like a controller only game. So playing Wonderbox levels, controller makes total sense. You're hopping around in 3D. Building those levels, you know, they, they obviously just decided, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to build a good user experience on Apple TV with a controller. So hmm. build your levels somewhere else and we'll sync them. <laughs> um, but, but then you get synced, it, right? Like your user level accrued? Well, so I did not (laughs) see any of the levels my son has created, even though we were logged in as him. And it took us through the tutorial. So I don't know if something is wrong with his user setup or it's it could be related to some of the issues we have around his iCloud being, you know, an under 13 account. And, And we've noticed some limitations with Apple Arcade with that. It might just be that like I haven't reviewed on the family iPad exactly what state his level's in. Maybe there's some extra button we need to push that'll right. send them everywhere. 
Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's kind of some edges there still that make it not a, a seamless experience. Um, and it, it, previously, you know, last episode, we talked about the issue where certain games, for whatever reason, the developer didn't fully implement user switching for tvOS. And so the game defaults to the primary Apple ID. Um, so any, any game that I've previously played on my phone, if it's one of those games and there's no way to tell up front, it'll just say, it'll, it'll display a warning when you launch and then it's starting over under my wife's uh, Apple ID because she's the primary on the, on the device. Um, and then I tried, uh, for one of those, I tried Guildlings, uh, and it just to, and then it, it did that. And we're like, okay, well, we'll just start a new game. It's fine, uh, to show my son, um, and new game on tvOS does not work. Uh, I found a tweet from the developer and they're like, yeah, we, we know this doesn't work. You have to start the game on another device with the same Apple ID. Oh no. And then you can resume the game on the TV. And they haven't, like it's been known for months and they haven't fixed that. It, so I don't know if the issue, and we'll kind of get into this with WWDC news, is is there some limitations in the libraries that Apple is providing, the game kit stuff, the Apple Arcade features to developers? Or is there not an incentive for developers to pick up these features because they're really hard? Or is there something else going on? Because it, I was really expecting this seamless, like, games I've played, everything's in the cloud, I'll, I'll open it up on another device and be able to play it there. And that's just not been the case uh, yeah. really at all yet. Um, it's been okay. Cause I'm playing different games because of the platform affinities, but yeah, there's, there's something missing there, uh, on, I think on Apple's part. Yeah, that's definitely, and that's a frustrating just user experience. Like it, it's fine. You and I talking about it and reviewing it, but like in that moment when you're like, okay, let's go play your game on the big TV. Now we get, and like you sit down and like, yeah. or your level or whatever. And like, it's just not there. And then you're spending 20 minutes troubleshooting it instead of playing the game, which is what you're hoping to do. Yeah. And that, that's basically what happened is, you know, yesterday evening after dinner, we had a little time before bedtime. We were going to, we were going to just like, Hey, show me your wonder box levels on the TV and, you know, wasted. Yeah. Like 10 minutes being like, okay, we gotta, it's just not going to work. <laughs> Which and is, I'm like it's looking funny. stuff up on Twitter, you yeah. know, to figure out what's going on. It's typical Apple though, because I can already feel this like sense of they, they were not that they were first to like the multi-platform idea really, but they definitely, it was built as a promise of like, it's going to be on your Mac, your Apple TV, your yep. iPad, your iPhone. And now because it was so hard for consoles to be like, what would they even do? Like, where else would you play your uh, NHL 21 besides on your Xbox? Obviously like, but now Microsoft, I just saw is coming out of beta with their xCloud gaming platform right. where not every game, but a lot of games are going to be playable on your phone that are also on your console. And they're going to lap Apple again. Like it's the Apple yeah. had the chance to do this. Well, they kind of half, half asked it maybe, or whatever the situation is exactly. But, um, but yeah, even for like folks like you and I, who are like the, the Apple nerd in the family, maybe, or whatever, pro, like, Hey, we'll get this and this will happen. I feel like I'm sort of being hung out to dry in a sense. It's a very first world problem, but like, where I'm saying like, yeah, we'll get the Apple TV yeah. and, we'll, and we'll get into this too with some of the Apple TV stuff that my wife is experiencing. But like, um, yeah, it, you feel like you're letting people down. We've spent a lot of money on this thing and and Apple, the billion dollar company is not living up to their promise. And so, right. yeah, it's a frustrating experience all around. Yeah. So, so now we're, we've, we've moved from complaining about the absence <laughs> of the thing to complaining about the thing now that we have it, uh, which is very, very typical podcast uh, genre. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it, you know, the, the, it was interesting, right? Because when Apple Arcade came out, it was like they're saying, "Hey, we're going to have a different model instead of you know streaming games, or um, you know, in, instead of yeah, basically instead of streaming games, that you're going to be able to just download any of the games you want to any of your devices, and it will sync. And mm -hmm. the sync 
is what is just not fully baked as far as I can tell. I, I guess, yeah, I, I, I could try more games, but I have yet to see, I have yet to have a single positive TVOS iOS sync experience with Apple Arcade. And that's pretty that's, embarrassing on Apple's yeah. part. It's, it's core. And especially cause it's like, I think it, it doesn't, I don't think anybody thinks of it directly as a correlation between like your contacts syncing between your phone and your computer, but like that is the same, it's the same yeah. thing. Like at its core at the, at the ones and zeros level or whatever. And I think there is a, a carryover, uh, like a residual kind of like taste in your mouth <laughs> that comes from yeah. like even just iCloud in, in general is like, well, you did it maybe with my contacts sort of, and it works pretty well now. On my my gaming experience with my kids, which is like a memorable moment, that's kind of getting ruined. And I I'm not too worried if Nick's phone number doesn't sync instantly on my phone to, from my computer when I update it. But like the gaming experience when we go down to do, we have that half hour or whatever. Like you said, that kind of needs to just work at a base level, or don't promise that it will and say they're just completely different platforms until you can get it right. But yeah, um, yeah. One and uh, jumping back quick to the the streaming game platforms like XCloud, I think the 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 one, you know, I've mentioned like, oh, maybe I want to build a PC gaming PC, right? Like, I think actually the the sweet spot for me would be for one of those streaming services to say, hey, pay us, you log into your Steam library on our cloud backend, and now you can stream any of your past, you can stream and play any of your past Steam purchases, right? Because I have a big old library, some of which are like PC only, um, that I've accumulated over many years. And, um, you know, when my old... Uh, Intel iMac is retired, the vast majority of those games will become unplayable because most of them will never get, uh, well, I mean, I guess they'll run under Rosetta maybe, but they'll never run on an M1 Apple Silicon Mac, right? Right. Um, so yeah, kind of, it. you can kind of see the pieces of the, the different strategies coming together with like how Microsoft is doing it and how Apple is doing it. And it's, Apple is not going to dominate gaming, probably. Uh, I think we can say pretty confidently. Uh, now, almost two years in Apple Arcade, and um, but they'll be part of it. It's just they're they're going a very different model, and it seems like they're struggling to to make it all click. Yeah, yeah, um, and and I mean the you can say that like I think there's the developer problem of like you can only throw me so many developers at a at an issue. It doesn't matter how right. much money you have. You oh, yeah. can't just have <laughs> know that one developers. very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And still, the problems will still exist, obviously. And so it's not just a matter of like, they, they don't have the focus for it, but it does feel like a bit of like very low on the priority yeah, poll unfortunately. Uh, for Apple. Well, so. It's too bad because I think it actually um, hides or impacts some really great games. I mean, we've talked about some really great games on the show. Um, I mean, like I I loved the Sinara Wild Hearts game on, on TVOS. You know, it was, it was um you know, maybe two, a little over two hours of total gameplay to go through once and, and at least clear all the levels. Um, I was only getting bronze, so I could easily go back and, you know, really memorize the the beats for each level and, and, you know, try to unlock all of those bonuses. Um, I will put a link in the show notes to the incomparable recently played episode that does a deep dive on the game, but mm. um, the soundtrack is great too. And, and we've been listening to that. Um, you know, it's, it's very much in that uh, almost uh, churches style, um, you know, synth pop, electro pop. Uh, and, and so my son really likes that great game, but you know, it, it has this limitation around the Apple TV user stuff. And so it's like awesome game and it's just getting like held back a little bit. Now that one is also available on other platforms like, uh, like switch. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I know what's, what's been your, your sort of experience. You, you mentioned your wife had some, some sync issues. 
Well, it's it's the user experience, like multi-user thing, which it feels mm -hmm. like if you bake that into it, don't don't bake it in unless it's usable. And it feels like it right. doesn't it's not really usable at any sort of level. Even the like the only place it's really applicable is in Apple Music, where if you go into the app, then you can see your playlists. Like my daughter has her own playlist and I have my own mm -hmm. playlist in Apple Music. And so we can see those. That's great. But every other interface, not just like even Apple's own interfaces, the Apple TV, TV, you know, movies thing. My my recommendations are my son's recommendations. Unless he explicitly goes and adds like something to it up next, then it that appears or watch next, whatever they call it. Um that appears on his list. But um even the interface, like we there's some sort of bug with For All Mankind, specifically that that one show and our Apple TV somehow, because we've watched we're almost finished season two and the Apple TV app, it's as if we've never seen huh. it and they don't even want to show it to us. It's like they're hiding it from us because each time we go to watch it, we have to search for it to find it. And Weird. I can I want I can go on my Apple TV app on my phone or my computer even, and it shows up as an up next. Like, you know, obviously you watched episode seven. So now we're going to recommend that episode eight, but on our Apple TV, nothing it's, it's buried, like so buried. You can't even on the, some of the other stuff too, where we watched um, a couple episodes of that trying uh, series, of uh, British comedy mm -hmm. on Apple TV plus we watched two, I think episodes of it doesn't appear anywhere. Like even the comedy shows on Apple TV, gone it doesn't exist like <laughs> you have to search and find it with siri to actually have it appear and so i don't know what is going on exactly there that's not a user account thing even that's just like my i'm the primary account and it just doesn't appear anywhere and and she's ready to, like i was joking she's ready to go back to using the xbox interface where we have to like fire up the xbox log in find the apple tv app then get into that and then it all appears properly as it should we watch morning show and so it shows us like hey yeah new season of morning show announced or whatever and those kinds of things i wonder so. if there's something weird with content restriction settings like it's it's hiding it's like not showing the adult shows in the menu or something yeah and then like i i did mess with that a bit because we were we were having some issues just in terms of like what even the apple right. music splash screen when you hold the when you just hover over the apple music app on the home screen it's just like again we're we're far from prude i think but like <laughs> There is also like sometimes you don't necessarily want your eight year old to see whatever some random sure. music video <laughs> appear right there just when they happen to swipe past it. Um, but again, like it's the user interface is kind of like it's as if it's me using it all the time until it drills down into one particular area of an app. So I don't know, I've I've torn I've toyed with the idea of just wiping and restarting and maybe there's just something goofy in the setup and and you know doing a fresh wipe of the app or of the Apple TV itself like the hardware um and starting over but um like I love the interface for it the right. how do you find the like fast forward rewind that's a bit like sketchy um, to me still I think I but. haven't trained myself on it quite yet like and and it's been and, and it could also be I think it's um inconsistently implemented across streaming services. Right. Um, not all of them have adopted the latest tvOS uh, interface guidelines. Um, in fact, I think there's some recent thing where like HBO pushed out an update where they put out their own player controls and there's this huge outcry and so they reverted it in the next update to to use the native uh, native controls right um, overall though I mean the 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 sync issues aside, the user interface um, feels a lot better. Uh, it's very smooth. You know, I, I, app launches are faster, especially compared to our previous uh, Fire Stick, which always felt a little bit like it was struggling to to display things. Um, uh, one other thing we've noticed is uh, for HDR content, we've kind of had to mess around with the settings there because something about the Apple TV and our TV are it makes things very dark. Like I think that's sort of what it's supposed to do in the sense that 
this is actually a really dark scene and you can still see the de- details, but it's almost too dark to enjoy the content. <laughs> and we couldn't figure out a way to like override that. So right. uh, we actually turned HDR off for a while because it was just kind of like not, not, uh, not a good experience, but that, that to, might be something where we have to calibrate or I don't know. Yeah. Did you do the iPhone magic calibration thing? We, we did. It, yeah. it tweaked it slightly redder is what it looked like to me. So I guess yeah. that's good. It's funny because I was watching, we can get into WWDC and this would be a nice yeah. transition, I guess, but I was watching, my son really wanted to watch the keynote. He's big on mm-hmm. watching some of those. And so you're watching the WWDC keynote in the developer app on Apple TV, right? So they have a developer focused app that you can download and install. Um, and so we're watching the keynote. We watched just the first half hour, 40 minutes of it. But uh, it was funny because any time they had text, they were giving examples of like text messages, let's say, and it was a screenshot or a video, but the the writing on the screen after tuning the Apple TV with the iPhone um, magic thing, the it was really unreadable. We couldn't read the text on the screen, so I don't know. We might have had like I haven't messed around with our TV to see what kind of overrides the TV itself is doing to make it that high contrast that the white is so is washing out the the black text on the screen. But uh, I had to, I was turned to my son. I was like can you read that? Or is it just me <laughs> like, wondering? Cause it's just funny that we noticed first of all on an Apple presentation here, but um, yeah, the uh, getting into WWDC, which just happened as we record this four days ago, I guess now on Monday, the, the uh, keynote. Yes. And I think some of the sessions and labs are still ongoing for, for developers, mm-hmm. which is, it is neat with it all being free now uh, having the like review. I haven't gone and rewatched any of it or watched any of it, but the, the review, the daily recap and reviews of what's going on, at WWC is kind of neat to have access to that. Um, anything stick out for you from WWC so far? Um, I mean, you know, the the Apple Design Awards are always always neat. Uh, a number of arcade games won. Um, there's some interesting stuff around game center improvements for developers. So I skimmed a couple of those sessions. So that wasn't really covered in the keynote, except maybe as a as a as a single sentence. But there will be, assuming developers adopt the APIs, uh, there will be the ability to do handle friend requests in game, not just via uh, iMessage. Um, a, an API where developers can like show where your game center friends are on like a map or a level chart. You can you can sync mm. uh, progress a- across friends uh, so to kind of improve. Um, compare yourself and, and get competitive. Um, there are some improvements to the whole matchmaking process, but it doesn't sound like there's any significant changes to multiplayer, which is what I had hoped for, right? Which yeah. is that we'd see better better support for local multiplayer or, or better um, uh, ways of finding uh, people to play with. Um, there's support for a concept of like in-game re- events and recurring leaderboards where you like you have a daily race or whatever and and that'll be handled via game center um it sounds like the push is to put the leaderboards in each game so instead of there being a central game center place although there is a new game center widget there's not i think it's more the idea you would be in each game you would kind of get the the game custom view of of how you're doing against your friends um, and then it, there's also some, this concept of in-game events. And it sounds like if you do, if you as a developer do things right, Apple will actually promote your events in the app store, like on your games page. And maybe even, you know, as a featured element that like, Hey, go into this game. And there's like, you know, uh, two hours left on the, on the, you know, super reward race or whatever. Um, yeah. So lots of interesting stuff there. It'll be, I don't know what what developers will integrate with their games. I don't know what'll be required as part of Apple Arcade, but definitely some 
some work it was done on on the the game kit and and what is possible yeah that one is i think that's probably the fortnification of gaming where and, and other games too but that idea of like each month or every six weeks or whatever it is there's like a new event in game event mm-hmm. and you don't want to miss it and you can show up for that specific event it's a some of the stuff is like actually happening that one day and that one day only and if you miss it i mean you can watch it on youtube or whatever later but um that kind of stuff which is neat and then especially if you've got your phone in your pocket or your ipad on the counter or whatever and you get a little notification that like that's way more sticky or whatever the the term right. is in development world where as opposed to like being on your tv on your console downstairs um getting it right on your phone wherever you are to, to log in and and even like there's i can see imagine stuff like mini metro when i'm playing it there's like a daily challenge and a weekly challenge and so obviously some sort of like more integration with that where mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. would be featured then because of that they remind you to do the daily challenge or whatever to see where you rank um, and how you compare. I saw the like the face ID and touch ID using to authenticate with TVOS, which would be nice just in terms of not having to, we have a few little spots where you're entering passwords and things still that feels like I've got this watch, this phone, somehow it feels like I should be yeah. able to tell this TV that I'm not a hacker sitting on my in my basement, somehow got that far and like now I'm going to thwart them at like, the credit card on purchasing a $5 app on tvOS, but it's still, I mean, I appreciate the, the security level. Um, the screen time API too, being available to third-party developers is an interesting one that I think would, my kids will not enjoy, but will be nice to have. I don't really totally understand because it does also, it, right now it still does recognize when a specific game is being played, but mm-hmm. uh, so I'm not sure how that will all play out exactly other than maybe they can pull from that and use the screen time stats to be able to sort of work within their game as well and have better access to parental controls you know specific aspects of a game maybe having better access to parental controls i'm not sure it it, i think it it was maybe uh the the games can do a better job of reporting what kinds of things they need or don't need uh with with in terms of what's restricted and i think it also allows third-party developers to create you know sort of screen time management uh, apps that it would have different you know different features than what you can find in in settings right um, the other one that's interesting is some of the stuff with shareplay that got mentioned in the keynote is it it looked like there was the ability for developers of of not just games but apps generally to you know set some stuff up and you you would be able to kind of have facetime and the shared view of whatever's going on in the app at the same time on on two remote devices so there might be you know if if that looks like if that works out the way it works out it looks like it's going to work out and developers adopt it it looks like you there's some potential for some really interesting multiplayer uh experiences where you're you're talking on video on a video call with each other while also playing on a shared uh, game space yeah, it's definitely like, I mean, I think of my kids doing it right now where they'll play friends on Mario Kart and they have like a phone that kind of just sits they, often it's on like the shortest possible power cable leaning against the wall pointed at the ceiling. So they don't even see each other at all. And nobody's mm-hmm. really looking at it. But you can imagine a, a scenario where it, that's actually on the TV or the your iPad or whatever. Mm-hmm. Where you can actually mm-hmm. see each other and still be playing the Mario Kart equivalent or whatever. Um on on your device and it's funny actually sort of unrelated here but the my son the last night when we were watching he's asked he said can you do facetime on the apple tv and you, you can't as far as i'm aware there's no real way to do a video call on your apple tv and that feels like a still feels like a, i remember thinking like you could do uh airplay from your computer to the tv so you could see the 
the other people on your TV, but then you're kind of this dissonant, like you look down at your phone, but they're looking at the TV. Right. Um, and it feels like a miss in terms of like that home experience of being able to like, if you want to be immersive and feel like you're actually there, the bigger the screen is to me to, in terms of like figuring out who you're talking to and where they are and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That feels like a miss, to, but I know Apple doesn't necessarily want to get into like plugging a ugly USB camera into your Apple TV. And so I think and, maybe in fact, like there's a, no USB port, right? Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The Then do you like, yeah, they're waiting for Bluetooth cameras maybe, or, or a resurgence of the eyesight camera from <laughs> way back when to, I, I don't think Apple's going to ever really yeah. try and worry about that, but it, it was interesting just in terms of the FaceTime push in terms of trying to catch up with zoom, et cetera, and be back to the default on, cause I'm sure many iPhones, they had FaceTime replaced by zoom over the pandemic, uh, because of a lack of features. And so they made a big push in the, in the keynote anyway, to like say, Hey, FaceTime is cool again. And like, right. Um, so anyway. Yeah. And, and, and pandemic factor too, I'd, I'd be curious, you know, I, I'm, a lot of what was announced in the keynote felt like bringing their different OSs into parity with one another. Yeah, so it was like a feature that was available on iOS is now on iPad OS. A feature that was available on Mac OS is now, or you know, vice versa. Yeah. Right there, they're doing a lot of that kind of crossover, almost catch up stuff. Um, and I suspect a lot of that has to do with you know the the pressures they've had during a pandemic year limiting like what they can work on the fact that hardware has to be their biggest priority because that's where they make their money. Um, you know, all of those kind of factors for scheduling with everything thrown, thrown into a weird state with, with, with COVID. Um, like I be, I don't think we'd ever know, but I'd be curious what kind of scope things had to get cut to make what they did get done possible. Um, and, and so I would imagine, you know, in the next year or two, we'll see a much bigger jump in, in capabilities, especially if, you know, any of the other rumored hardware comes out. But in, in the meantime, I mean, there's, there's a lot of really interesting stuff, uh, that is available to developers. Um, I think, uh, we're, we're also a little excited for the, the Swift Playgrounds update. You know, that's something that my son plays with from, from time to time. And it, it looks like in theory, he'd be able to make like a small toy game and publish it even, uh, to the app store. That might yeah. be, that might be something that's a little too advanced yet, but, but kind of neat that it's possible. Yeah. The idea of him being able, and it's actually now available on Mac too. Just, I, I always think of it as an iPad only thing, but they actually put it mm-hmm. published it for Mac a little while ago, uh, Mac OS, but, um, but yeah, even the idea of him being able to publish something, a kid publishing their little game and sharing it with their grandparents and their cousins or whatever, that's like a really cool thing that they can enable. Uh, and have end-to-end, you know, control over. It's safe. There's no issues with it being hacked. There's no, and even like trying to like sell it or whatever. Like, um, you don't have to necessarily deal with any of that. I'm not sure. I guess you'd probably have to set up a developer account even for that level of submission. So you'd have to pay something, but. Yeah, it it was a little bit unclear. I think ATP discussed this a little bit because it's like almost almost none of the settings you normally need to put something on the store are visible in playground. So it does seem like you probably have to set up some stuff elsewhere once, and then you can, you can use that capability. Right. Um, Yeah. But it's still, it's still neat. And I think it's, it's exactly the sort of thing where, especially for, you know, let's say like students, like you like a, a teenager who's working in like a, a, a CS course or a, or a, or a game game design course could, could do some really, uh, cool basic stuff. At the same time, probably not the tools most people are learning in those courses. They're you know they're going to be learning exactly. like Unity or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. and it's funny the just looking. I hadn't looked at Swift Playgrounds in a while, but it's it's interesting watching like their little demo video on their homepage. Even for it is basically Wonderbox. Like it looks 
Like, yeah, Wonderbox was like, hey, playgrounds, let's just make a game out of that and and uh, and then build around that or whatever. And and nothing wrong with that. It's totally a, it's not a yeah brand new concept of that sort of view of a game. But um, it's yeah interesting to see where that came from. And there, I from my what I've seen on Twitter, anyways, the Wonderbox folks behind it seem to be fairly young people as well. And so it's not impossible mm. to imagine that three years ago they were playing with Swift Playgrounds on their iPad and were like trying to figure this out and work their way up to, anyways, I'm projecting a lot here, but um, I am interested to see, I don't have, uh, we have the the Mac here, the M1 Mac that I've actually hasn't, still haven't set up because I've been using it for uh, audio processing and it's actually working really well. <laughs> so it might not make it to the kids here, but um, that or like an iPad for like just mess, getting mm-hmm. getting their hands dirty with like, yeah, Swift Playgrounds or something like that, just to see where, where they go with it and not force them to like sit through eight hours of programming, but just as a way of, trying it out and see what they, yeah where or scratch go. or one of those web-based ones yeah 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 but speaking of kids i gotta go make some lunch for the kids who are coming home yes. from school so um anything else before we wrap up WWC no i i think uh i think we've we've covered as much as we could about uh, all, a great <laughs> variety of stuff in terms of apple tv and and arcade and and dub dub um it, it it will be really interesting to see how some of this you know ios 15 forward and, and developer features actually end up getting used but we'll have to wait until you know fall to see yeah exactly and then so after we record next episode is the there's a nintendo direct or something i think or which one yes. is it yeah or that's e3 coming. or e3 no. one of the big ones yeah, we should anyways. probably look these up before we talk yeah. about them huh <laughs> <laughs> we're professional podcasters we'll figure yes. it out very much so. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to 25 cents or a video game podcast. You can find me on Twitter, although not for June. I took a month off here. I'm at iChris on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter and most everywhere else as Alternerd. That's N-U-R-D. And of course, you can find 25 cents wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out our Good Stuff Patreon, patreon.com slash goodstuff. And the rest of the shows at goodstuff.network. The Good Stuff Morning Show is back, actually. So goodstuff.network slash morning show. If you want to listen to Kenny and Kyle and their hilarity that ensues as two brothers navigate the internet together. I, I especially enjoyed their their episode on uh, ballpark food. Oh, yeah. Recently. <laughs> they have a special niche in the food genre of podcasts. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.